After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. After further review, you hear that music. We're talking about the NFL. It seems like we're always talking about the NFL. Even when we're not in the season, it seems like every month we're talking about the NFL. But we're talking about the NFL draft recaps, day one and two. David, what you got? All right, we'll just, you know, I'll get my Dylan Brooks on. And I'll just poke the bear um, and get right to it. If you have the number nine overall pick, and you know that eventually because it's in your DNA, we found out day two that you ended up going that way and getting um, two defensive tackles. Um, why not just get Jalen Carter? Like, why? It, can, I, can I ask you why? Didn't, didn't Jalen Carter get picked at number eight by the Eagles? Sure. Or nine. So, so what happened is that the Bears trade swap picks with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So the Bears had nine. They traded down to get an extra fourth round pick, which like what what the bleep are you doing? And then the Eagles got Carter at nine. Whereas you could have easily stayed at nine, gotten the best defensive tackle in the draft, and knowing that there is there is depth at the offensive tackle position in this draft. Maybe not the quality of Skaronski, who I thought would be a better prospect than right. Um, I mean, that's the only thing that I have the problem with is that Karonsky was probably the better prospect when maybe they saw something in Darnell Wright. But I'm not mad at the pick. You you know that this is a quarterback league. They've decided that Justin Fields is their quarterback. Okay, that's fine. I give them credit that they, they think that Justin Fields is their quarterback. Do I think he should be the quarterback? No, I don't think that. But you know that you got to protect the quarterback and that's what they went with. Why go on the defensive line when you know it's a quarterback league and you know that we can pick up defensive players later on in the draft? Yeah. And and I think it's kind of a double-edged sword of kind of at the quality of that position. Can you get better quality on the defensive line later in the draft versus offensive line help later in the draft? For most people, it's no because there were a lot of strong prospects, and especially seeing Arizona go and draft up uh, to get Paris Johnson at six, maybe they're thinking in their mind, like, okay, maybe someone else is going to draft. But then I, th- I think for me the issue is is that you draft back or you trade down, swap with Philadelphia. They get a player that a lot of people were saying in the mock drafts, hey, if he's there at nine, Chicago, just get him because he's going to probably turn out to be one of the best players in this draft. And then for me, not getting 
even the second best tackle in the draft. At least, at least for me, and then kind of even looking at position rankings for all these draft boards, like the screenshot I shared in our group chat. Like people were saying, Darnell Wright's going to take one to two years to become a good starter. And Who's saying that? They're saying this that's guy's the, a plug and play NFL draft board. Some people are saying here, I'm just looking at ESPN, he's a plug and play starter. Um, yeah, he's immediate starter yeah, at the right tackle. He's going to be the right tackle. Yeah, he's going to say, he's going to come in and be the immediate starter, kind of looking at the, the analytics and draft rankings on NFL.com, like with the prospects. Um, they're projecting him to be a good starter within two years and saying that he still has a little bit of room to grow. Because particularly in this last year, like he made stretches, but um, and even they even said on the draft coverage, like he played well this past year, yes, but before that, eh, like there was a huge leap. And so, is it going to be a regression to the norm, or was kind of this past year a continuation of hopefully things to come? Mm-hmm. Like for me, if I'm drafting a guy to be immediate starter. Thinking, even thinking about Skaronsky, who kind of everyone's going to compare him to because he went to Tennessee. Like, the kid's from Northwestern. Like, he's right there. But the thing is, like, David, though, he's playing left tackle, right? And right is playing right tackle, right? Uh, Let me double check because I know that they were saying that Skaronsky could play all five positions on the line. Mm-hmm. So having that vers- do you want that versatility on the line as well? In case of injury, um, also knowing that uh, Darnell Wright can also play kind of right guard as well, but yeah, his projection is going to be the right tackle uh, just because there's that need. So there's also that. Um, right, he can go to guard. He additional can, versatility. He can go inside the guard, and he can be best as the right tackle. I think reading this pre-draft analysis, and I think this is the reason why Wright got drafted. Um, they already have a situation where opposite Braxton Jones is already at the left tackle spot, so that 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 that's already sured up. But he has the quickness to reach the second level, and he dominates linebackers. And when he gets into their pads, that means they know that Justin Fields is a runner and they need a downfield blocker. And they know if they can get him, this Darnell Wright can get down the field and just pretty much pulverize linebackers, especially the the linebackers are going to be the spy on Justin Fields. He's going to get up the field. And if you already have a left tackle that they've already feel is sufficient right now, you're going to go with the Darnell Wright at the right tackle or he can go inside at the guard. But the the one thing is we know that I guess this is kind of smart by the Bears that he is a runner and that basically when it, when if we do quarterback draw or if he needs to run, you got a guy that can go up down the field and just pulverize the guy for Justin Fields to at least get for sure the first down or even more yardage to break him down. Whereas Skoransky is more better in the pass protection. And as we know, Justin Fields isn't really the best of passers. So I think they kind of went with the overall guy where he can protect and pass coverage. But our strength with field is to get down the field. And they know he's a second-level guy where I don't think Skaronsky's not. So that makes sense why I think the Bears went in that direction of going with Darnell Wright. Yeah. And, I mean, 
Because I've seen both. I've also seen that talked about with Skaronsky as well, kind of getting to that second level. Right. And being able to be effective. Right. Um, but, uh, like I said, we'll see kind of once we get, you know, through training camp and kind of see. Mm-hmm. We'll see right away. Like, we'll know. Right. And I, and I think that you have to you have to get something for Fields. If you're going to put all the investment in him, let's just be honest. Yeah, you do want to win the, 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 the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. But let's be honest, though, too. The Bears had linebackers and linemen, and the defense has always been stout. The Bears' problems in the in the the last forty years is offensive ineptitude, and now Poles is saying, you know what, we're going to have to focus a little bit more on the offense, especially with all the rules changes in the NFL. So even though Jalen Carter, yeah, he's the sexy pick, yeah, he's one of the better players, but then again, though, he did have some issues coming in the, you know workouts out of shape and the commitment to that those are guys that yeah he might be a freak or everything like that but you need the hard workers as well the lunch pucket guys and at the end of the day it's a quarterback league and you got to do whatever is best let your quarterback shine so i ain't mad at this pick to be quite honest with you i understand yes to get the jalen carter but if you notice they went more to their identity in the second day instead of where they they decided to feel the major needs that they needed to feel. Yeah, yeah. Again, thinking about kind of just the way that the offensive line was so valued, even within these first two days, like people were recognizing, yeah. hey, if you can get that offensive lineman um, prospect, even kind of thinking about my Steelers, kind of going with Broderick Jones over getting Christian Gonzalez with number 14, knowing that the Jets are probably going to get Broderick Jones. So, yeah, shoring up and recognizing kind of if you can protect your quarterback in the first round, this year particularly, or even the first three rounds, that's going to help you and then you can get defensive weapons. Unless you're the Eagles and you're just like, we're just going to get all the players from Georgia to shore up our defense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, yeah, they um, also just kind of an update Chicago Bears getting Roshan Johnson, the the power running back from Texas, but is more, uh, along with being a power, he's good to be a pass protection blocker. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's just always interesting just kind of thinking where teams might go. And, and then actually commending the Bears for committing to, like, hey, let's protect our investment. They saw Paris Johnson go at six because Arizona um, wants to protect Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do the same. Um, what do you think about the number one pick? I mean, the, the people want to know that Bryce Young being the number one pick to the Panthers. I mean, for for me, like four out of the top five were for me like automatic locks. Only really? one was Anthony Richardson, just in terms of those players at that, mm-hmm. like going those ways. I knew Willie Anderson was going to be third after C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. For me, Bryce Young is still the best quarterback in this draft. Mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of hide and, you know, oh, well, he's so small. Like, size doesn't matter. All right? Like, if you can play the position, which True. Bryce Young did, and what everyone says is basically the NFL equivalent in college in the SEC, putting up that many numbers, he's going to play on Sundays. And we were saying that for a while. Like, he's... He's going to be the face of the franchise and all these draft boards like, oh, what he lacks in size, he makes up an ability. No, like, 
can we stop using size as a detriment and a crunch? Because everyone was raving about Anthony Richardson, but if you watched him play, you're like, he's raw. Like, he still has a year to go before he can be the guy. But they're going to throw him into the wolves because he's a number four overall pick. Like, what you do on the field matters for me a lot more than your size and your weight and what you measure. Right, as long as you're getting the results. Yeah, results are what win Super Bowls at the end of the day. It doesn't matter, oh, what round was this guy drafted in? What round, you know, what position, what pick, what did his... Like, can you perform and execute the game plan that we have in our organization? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, also love the aggressiveness of Houston to pick up and trade with Arizona uh, to get the number third pick in Will Anderson. So they get both the quarterback that I projected them in mock draft 2.0 and mm-hmm. the, the defensive prospect, Will Anderson, in 1.0. So, so yeah, get the, best off, get the best defensive prospect and the second best quarterback. Houston actually, I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, get to 500, but considering how, at least late in the season, there were some games that were relatively close. Like now, if you have a Anderson that can kind of take over the reins that JJ Watt left off um, before, you know, he left left Houston, and they were still trying to figure out his replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a quarterback in T.J. Stroud that a lot of people trust can kind of be elite in winning situations. You get another weapon in Nathaniel Dell to kind of help with T.J. Stroud. Yeah, like Houston can get back to that. Maybe they can win seven games. Maybe I mean, in the AFC South, like I've already admitted, if Will Levis is a quarterback, Week one, they're winning six mm. at best. Like that, I will say that here. It's on record. It's on tape. Right. Um, but yeah, that division is wide open. So who's to say that Houston can do a worse to first? I can see it. Do you think CJ Stroud got penalized for the test? I think yes and no, and I say that because there are a lot of people that still put value into kind of the metrics and the testing and what you do kind of off-field and some of those analytics because people still still hold that in high regard. Um, but I say no because, if you again, if you look at the tape and hyper not of being in that Ohio State machine, like, if you had to figure out who the next best quarterback after Bryce Young is, it's C.J. Stroud. Um, like, he has that ability. Granted, not a lot of you know quarterbacks from Ohio State have done well in the league, but C.J. Stroud just looks different than the rest. And do I think that he's in a position where he can grow and succeed and win right away? Probably not, but that's up to the management and organization to really get piece and really put pieces around him so that he can be successful. Mm-hmm. That starts with the offensive line. That starts with kind of maturing and developing the weapons around him. And 
um, yeah, just being able to give him give him the ability so that he can be successful. Mm-hmm. And if he has the tools, I think he'll do well because that's basically what Ohio State is. You can plug and play any quarterback in. They're going to have the weapons. Yeah, keep going. Uh, Frank is not here to talk about that, so I'm going to just do really quickly mm-hmm. about um, Detroit. What the bleep is Jamar Gibbs doing being drafted at 12? What's wrong with that? Like, like, yes, he has the home run ability, and that like he's similar to kind of uh, some of the comps were DeAndre Swift, who happens to be on the roster. But you just brought in David Montgomery and gave him a three-year deal. Like, you still have DeAndre Swift. Like, you do you really need Gibbs? And if you do, you probably could have gotten him in the second round. Because mm-hmm. outside of Atlanta, and we'll get to Atlanta in a second, just kind of being ridiculous in drafting B. John Robinson mm-hmm. at eight, like, do you, do, you, do you really need him because you have so much depth at the running back position? Like, this is not Madden where you can kind of draft a guy and then just kind of put him on the bench mm-hmm. and just kind of let him sit for two and three years. Like, if you're drafted number 12 overall, you're expected to be, at worst, a day, you know, season one, week three starter, unless you're a quarterback and you're in a situation where you're not expected to be the guy. Like, if if you're drafted in the first round, you're expected to be an instant contributor, week one, play one on the field. And I don't know if Jameer Gibbs, you know, barring injury, of course, and staying healthy, like, how often are we going to see Gibbs? Right. It's not like last year with Jameson Williams where he was legit injured and we didn't see him until later in the season because he was recovering from an injury. Like, it's one of those questionable moves that you're just like, like, yes, you can see the talent, you can see the ability, particularly kind of in the open field, but is that someone, like, are you getting running back depth when you're picking 12 overall. Like that, for me, that's where it stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Jack Campbell at 18, a lot, a lot of people were saying, you could have probably gotten him in the second round. Like, this over-evaluation and knowing that Dan Campbell loves defensive players, loves um, tight ends, loves, apparently loves Iowa because... Iowa apparently has all these great NFL players. Um, But, yeah, it's like players that were taken in the first round that you could have gotten in the second. And so is it value for position? Knowing that, even talking, and Frank will admit it when when he's on the show next. Like, he'll say, like, like they were all right picks. They were okay, but were those immediate need was running back really a need at 12 when you had um yeah because they're saying he's very similar to deandre swift yeah like when you have so many 
other needs, particularly on the defensive line. Like, if you would have gone defensive line at 12, we were like, all right. A lot of great defensive ta- or tackles. There are a lot of defensive ends. You could go linebacker at 12 and get someone that's, you know, yeah, that, that is that I will say that is kind of true because I was thinking to myself they already have depth at the running back position but maybe they're trying to think they're looking towards the future somewhat like yeah last season was a stepping stone but we're trying to build a culture here where it's always going to be competitive at every spot and if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing we just bring in the next guy which that's changing the culture to know that every day you got to come in and compete every day you got to be on your toes every day you got to be sharp and i think that's been the problem with the lions just complacency you know you're drafting you know bad players bringing in poor free agents and certain guys just think they got a lock on a starting position but maybe if they went somewhere else they're probably second or third on someone else's depth chart so i think that's what the lions here are kind of trying to do and plus that running back um if you can have a load of horses in there, I think that takes a lot off of Jared Goff's back and off his arms. So you don't have to be always dependent on him trying to win a football game for you. Yeah, and and I, I agree kind of offensive weapons. I think that's why I kind of even saying in the first round in my mock draft at 18, I had Michael Mayer get, get, get a tight end, get an offensive weapon, knowing that Hawkinson just went to Minnesota, um, kind of left you midway through the season. Like, that makes sense. Get a tight end in the first round. Granted, they got him kind of Sam LaPorta early in the second round. Like, that makes sense. For me, getting Kendon Hooker in the third round right. makes sense so that he can be the heir apparent. And also because he's recovering from sur- surgery and kind of that injury, so he's going to need some time to get into that room. Like, those, like, day two, like, their day two board makes sense. Like, for me, they address needs. They got better in the, particularly the defensive secondary, which I thought they should have gone in the first round. I, I just think also because they traded out of six, they traded down from six to twelve. Like, how many players could you have gotten at six that would have immediately addressed your need in a far bigger way than Gibbs? Because I. For me, Gibbs was at best in the twenties. So, like, even if you wanted to, you could like he would probably have been on the board still at eighteen. Like, just thinking about the teams that were between twelve and eighteen, we don't need him in Pittsburgh. New England would have gone. De- I think defense. The Jets wouldn't have gone for him for sure because they needed offensive line. Washington was going to get him because they have. The running back committee, they have depth. Like, where was he going to go? And, like, what were they hearing in terms of, oh, someone's going to get Gibbs? Like, we were, I was saying with the running backs, B. John Robinson was the first off the board to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, I, I understand kind of wanting to get a player before someone else does, but does it make sense if you don't need them? Stetson Bennett got drafted by the Rams. <laughs> Just letting you know that. Like, yeah, like like there are places like like day three, like everyone says, is for you know the scouts to prove their worth and their money to kind of get them, yeah, show their value to a team and an organization. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly think the first round is K 
can we make the biggest splash and keep a team from getting a player that we think someone else? Right, exactly. That's what it is. The first round is trying to get your impact player, and not to mention you might think, well, this team doesn't want him. He did, this team doesn't need him. This, this, and that. But you never know what those other teams are going to do, and they might just draft the player so that no one else gets them or get that player and then use that as a trade piece. So you could say, well, yeah, you can get that player later on in in the draft, but at what cost? Do you pass up on this guy, someone else takes him, and then they give him to your division rival for trade pieces, or they know that you need him and you need to trade something. So they decided to jump on that player and they got him. Yeah, and, and kind of transitioning a little bit just to B. John Robinson at eight, it's like everyone was like highly rating him Oh, B. John Robinson's the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Like, Saquon Barkley is a beast. Mm-hmm. B. John Robinson is not Saquon Barkley, not Derrick Henry. <laughs> like, not these guys that you're like, oh, we need to take him. Right. Also, if you're Atlanta, Tyler Algier, you got day three last year, and he, along with Cordero Patterson, were arguably one of the most exciting one-two prospects. Kind of went healthy. So again, if you're Atlanta, why do you need another weapon when you just keep drafting offensive weapons? Like, so so now you're going to have disgruntled players on their rookie deal. Like, Kyle Pitts is standing over there, like, Sam, I was supposed to be the greatest since sliced bread, the next Tony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Now I'm competing with Robinson for touches. Cordero Patterson gets, you know, a, you know, hundred catches out of the backfield a year. Right, like Drake, you just drafted Drake to London, like, like I under, I don't understand what's going on in Atlanta. Like, were you guys afraid that uh, Philadelphia was going to take Robinson? Mm-hmm. Whereas, as we see now, Philadelphia is like, we just want all the defensive players from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Like, they're shoring up their defense. Like, they have, like they got Tyler Steen. Like, they got an offensive tackle. Right, but. Three defensive players from Georgia for, like, yeah. Like, for me, it's still just baffling to some teams. And it's always the teams that draft early that have the ineptitude problem. Like, I, I, I hate to say it, and I hate to, you know, denigrate organizations in war room. But if you're Atlanta, like, what need do you have for a running back when, again, you have two solid running backs? Mm-hmm. who are versatile, both as runners and catchers. Like, so just to force a controversy in the running back room, because now he's going to come in, he's like, oh, I was drafted number eight overall. I have to be the guy every down back. Like, man, this is in college. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, Atlanta probably should have gone Jalen Carter. Like, address their defensive line issues. But, yeah. It's, it's just always interesting, kind of looking back at the first round, seeing what players are on the board, um, and knowing that kind of we could see seven kind of Tyree Wilson going to Texas Tech. Like after that, mock drafts were just burned. Like eight eight to twelve, no one no one picked that. No one could have predicted. Predicted guess. Um, yeah, that that just baffles me. 
But I mean, but, but again, then again, are you surprised where the how the Falcons play during the season? If it's a baffling organization and GM with the picks, don't be surprised that you don't get any winning results. Oh, the, the Falcons for me are definitely going to be picking top five next year <laughs> in the free in my preseason prediction again. One forty-two, April 29th. Air, the Atlanta Falcons may win five games. But then again, do you think they're looking at this as, and I could see this, as this isn't really going to be a great season anyway, so why not uh, possibly draft a little bit, build pieces, and then next year we really make our splash? I mean, it's just certain things where you got to understand in pro sports, Certain contracts aspiring. You got players that aren't bad at certain positions, but you're looking at the draft. This guy's not more talented enough to bump this guy. You're kind of all over the place. First of all, you need to get a, you know, I don't know if Cameron Ritter's the guy for a quarterback, but you need to get a franchise piece there. The Falcons probably just looked at this draft. This draft who you can draft. If they they do good, they do good. But we're probably going to be in for another losing season. Hopefully next season. A little bit more talented, more players. Maybe some contracts are expiring. It'll be off the books. We have more room to do stuff. But like I, I understand that kind of in theory, but it's also so you're wasting a year of all these players' talents and health just to kind of kind of get into the hamster wheel. Well, and there, that, that now this could have been. I mean, stupid stuff happened. Contracts, you probably, or or you made evaluation of players that didn't really work out. Um, I mean, you know, the, the organizations I do think do try to do their best to try to win, but I'm just throwing that out there, being a devil's advocate though. Who wants to be in the hamster wheel? But sometimes you're kind of just stuck. Yeah, no, I I definitely can see that. It's just kind of yeah, like. If you're an organization that tells your fan base, oh, we're thinking about the future, people people don't have time to wait for a future. Exactly. Particularly when these NFL players, the average length of the career is only three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, quote-unquote, tanking for a year is not going to help do anything in terms of game tape. Kind of, You're just going to devalue your own players because they're part of a losing organization and the game tape is so bad because you all play poorly no one's going to want them and then they're that much closer you know one step out of the league and particularly with all as many young pieces as Atlanta has like they can't afford to just keep waiting and waiting like that fan base was already trying to fire the head coach last year Mm -hmm. they were already trying to get rid of you know their questions calling about Maybe we need a change up top because we shouldn't be going seven and ten with the amount of offensive weapons that we have, and no, and that's even before we get to the Calvin Ridley situation, and that that's a whole other topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like you cannot afford to willingly want to be in the hamster wheel, like like we talked about. And the you know with the NBA playoffs, like you have to want to grow. Like, mm-hmm. what are the lessons that you're learning? And are if consistency is key, are you going to be consistently trying to improve, or are you trying to consistently just be in the hamster wheel? Because if you want to be in the hamster wheel, then you can just 
be you can turn into the Denver Broncos. You can turn into well, the Broncos are trying to make a splash. I, I think the whole Russell Wilson experiment was like an experiment. It kind of blew up in their face, and I think there were sort of things they didn't expect, and they fell on their face. So I do think sometimes some teams do try to win. It's a swing and a miss. Then there are some of those GMs that like to play it safe so they don't lose their job, and that's where I think you, you start to get the hamster wheel and the complacency where you're, 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 you're drafting or trying to sign middle-of-the-road players and maybe hoping the coaching staff develops them, or maybe you know you're looking up, looking at too much of the upside of a player, and it just never materializes. I think those are certain things that do happen. But then there's like the Denver Broncos, where let's face it, when Russell Wilson went to the Broncos, everyone thought, well, that's a home run. If you would have said at the end of the season that Geno Smith would have had the season he had with the Seattle Seahawks, you probably would have been slapped in your face and on your behind and said, shut up. But it did happen because no one expected that to happen. And if you would have said Russell Wilson and the Broncos would have just looked like straight doo-doo, people would have told you to shut up. But that's what happened. Well, I mean, they also had the world's worst head coach in probably like league history. Well, and that and Russell Wilson trying to have his own office on in the practice facility and have him trying to call players up to it. I mean, it was a whole mess that was going on behind the scenes with the Broncos where a lot of players just didn't like Russell Wilson and how he acted. Now you got team dissension. I think the head coach, you know, you're right. You made a bad decision with the head coach and things got out of hand. Yeah. And each, yeah, each team is different. It's just, Kind of when you're drafting, and I think uh, this is the difference between a team that's great and statistically consistently at the top of the league versus the teams that are always drafting early in the rounds is a team like Philadelphia. Everyone is like they they won the draft Mm -hmm. after night one with Carter and Nolan Smith, right? And then after day two, they're like. Hey, they just keep getting better. They they didn't have a second round pick, but then they get um, steals, particularly thinking about Sidney Brown to help with that secondary. And then to start off today, they get Keely Ringo, who everyone was like, where is he going to go? He's one of the best cornerback prospects in this draft. Why is he dropping so far? Um, yeah, like teams like that, teams like Kansas City, teams. I'm not going to put the Steelers in there because I'm going to sound like a homer, but we've had a damn near perfect draft mm-hmm. so far through the first two days. Even getting Nick Herbig from Wisconsin, kind of sharing up the outside linebacker um, position, getting depth from there. Like, great teams and great organizations will draft well and meet the needs. Mm-hmm. Teams that are like, eh, we don't know. Like, they'll just go for best available player just um, just to take them off the board because it's the best available instead of the best fit. Mm-hmm. And then they end up getting in hamster wheels or having to make 10,000 trades just to get players that they probably could have gotten had they just kept their original pick. Yeah, that's true. Last thoughts, wrapping it up. I know you want to talk about the Steelers real quick. We've got about five minutes. Go ahead. Uh, Steelers, I yeah mentioned kind of picture-perfect draft. Um, Broderick Jones at 14, kind of trading with New England, which is, I think, the first time in history that we actually had a pleasant relationship with Bill Belichick. Um, and he was willing and happy to troll the Jets and let us get 
Broderick Jones, um, over the Jets, who we all are like, they're getting ready to take an offensive lineman, probably Jones. So um, thought it was either between him and Christian Gonzalez. Jones goes to the Steelers, Gonzalez to the Patriots, Joey Porter Jr. I mean, that was the hugest non-surprise ever uh, in terms of him coming home. A lot of people were saying we could have gotten Joey Porter with our original pick at 17. Um, Keanu Benton, a prospect that we we're amongst a lot of draft boards. Like, if he falls, again, fitting a need. And that's kind of, again, what great organizations do. They have a need, they fit it. Um, the surprise for me, getting Darnell Washington late in round three, uh, had some concerns about injury. And everyone was just kind of like, oh, he's falling. He's falling a lot. But he's a pretty strong, solid blocking tight end. And he's lined up alongside Broderick Jones. So that familiarity will definitely help. Um, Nick Herbig, I mentioned a little bit earlier, getting him for linebacker depth. Like, addressing all of the needs that we have in the first, you know, two days particular and then kind of early in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Like that that's like we cannot be more happier with Omar Khan with his first draft. Like and one, I think for me, happy that we did not trade that pick that the Bears wanted back at thirty two. It's like, nope, you guys want to chase Claypool, so we basically got Joey Porter Jr. exchange for him. So we're we're happy with that. Um But yeah, this was a great Great draft so far. I'm excited to see, especially since you met needs. Um, Joey Porter Jr. getting flack for, oh, he only had one interception by people that supposedly watch film and know more about football than everyone else. Uh, I'm just going to say there are a lot of great cornerbacks that don't have a lot of interceptions. Mm -hmm. Like, it's about pass breakups, being able to have a low QBR uh, when um, passing your way and your you know, physical, your press corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think people just love kind of being armchair and looking at stats instead of watching film thinking, Oh, this guy's and you know, Oh, he's a name. He's just a name legacy guy. He's not really good. Like if you watch Joey Porter, there's a reason why he was the fourth best cornerback in this draft. You're, you don't get fourth best corner. You don't get fourth best any position just mm-hmm. kind of being Joe Schmo and just kind of being the name. you got to actually be able to play this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fun season. Um, quick update. The Bears actually drafted a wide receiver from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Justin Fields actually throw him the football. If he can get it to him. Oh, yeah, wait and see. You know, with Darnell right there, you know, he'll have a little bit more time on the blind side, on his right side to be able to scramble run. Right. Anything yeah, it, Anything going on with the weekend or anything like that? Like I said, I know you'll be watching the rest of the draft. And now at this point um, in the draft, um, is this going to be on the ticker when they go to a commercial break? It's going to be like, okay, this happened. 
back to our regular coverage. Yeah, look at the names and if there's any kind of big stories. Any Rockets you think will get drafted? Um, I hope that there's a Rockets Rockets player that are drafted just because Tulio deserves it. But the thing know, is, um, we're not Tulio with a player, but isn't it better, though, because we've seen it recently with Barry Church and stuff, to make, maybe go through free agency instead of just being drafted by a team? So, yeah, I can definitely understand that because you get a chance to really go somewhere where it actually fits your playing style and you have the ability. Like, even now, throughout the currently in the fifth round, there are a lot of players that are getting calls from teams like, hey, if you don't get undrafted, we'd love to bring you in kind of just to be a part of our um, undrafted pool. Yeah, so that you can kind of go somewhere where someone really loves you and wants you. And for those players, those are going to be the guys that are able to have a little bit of a stronger chance to make a roster instead of being drafted in sixth, seventh round, and then you know you get cut, and then you're off to the USFL. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, about to get on out of here. Great stuff again, as usual, David. As I mentioned before, um, what you got planned? Well, I finished watching the draft. A little bit of American soccer. A little bit of USFL. A little bit of. Do you still uh, watch a little that bit stuff? Of pro basketball. USFL. Yeah. I mean, and the XFL. It's, it's I mean, it, I know. I, I understand that. I just, it's I can't watch football, it. But it, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, I can't watch it. I, I mean, it's, if it's something on in the background when I'm cleaning house, great. But other than that, nah. I mean, like, like you said, it gets something like good background noise, and if something you know crazy happens, but I mean, it's definitely an experience. But if you're a traditional diehard. No, it's it's like major. It's like watching baseball. If you're, in, you'll watch baseball at every level, or you'll watch you know Savannah Bananas. But if you're not into it, <laughs> I, I I see what you're saying. Uh, all right. Uh, well, then, last thing. What else? No, just yeah. It's going to be an exciting week, and then after this, well, at least know which teams are going to. Be in the dumpster fire, and maybe the Bears will get six wins this year. Seven? Maybe. Seven and ten, I guess. I don't know, because there's 17 games. Hopefully they go nine and eight, but we'll see, David. Seven, nine, and one, because they're going to have a tie randomly. Right. At least Aaron Rodgers is not in the division anymore. Yeah, but now Jordan Love is just going to dominate and make living nightmare. Because it's what is what they do. Well, now you're you're off the show, David. All right, have a good weekend, man. All right, see you next week. Yeah, having jokes, David. Always got the jokes. Listening to eighty-eight point three WGTs after further review. Make sure you check us out on AFR Sports Show on Twitter. Also, after further review, Sports Show on Facebook. We have the live show up there, and then on WGTs after further review on SoundCloud. Coming up next on the radio side, you got kicking it with Nay. We're going to get on out of here. Make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. WHUC's after further review with a picture of Frank Baster in the horse's head for all the segments going on today. No Frank today, but for Frank and David, I'm Derek. We'll see you when you see you. Peace. WHUC's 88.3 WHUC's after further review. We'll see you when you see you.